Martin banks it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. It's the T.C. Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain. T.C. Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Fuchs. Right up front. Younger fit inside of the net. now in happy friday to you and yes we are here at sunset station you gotta love it all right uh, by club madrid the sports book here at sunset station station casino properties a shout out to our good friend chuck esposito who will be joining us here momentarily we talked to chuck today and another heavy hitting show as i like to say today jacob stitch duran is going to join us the extraordinary cut man, as well as actor. We'll talk to Stitch. He'll be joining us here today as he gets ready for some big-time boxing this weekend. And, again, we've got tickets to give away as well, too, for tomorrow night's action at the Virgin Hotels in Las Vegas. Shakur Stevenson in the main event. So we look forward to, to that, as well as Carnell Johnson, the Golden Pipes. That's right, the Golden Pipes, the Golden Voice who does a fantastic job singing the National Anthem at Golden Knights Home Games. He is going to join us as well, too. And we got a chance to hear Carnell again last night. And and congratulations to the Vegas Golden Knights for closing out the Colorado Avalanche last night with that 6-3 victory. All right, Ballpark Frank in the house with us here, live at Sunset Station. Numchuck back in the studio. And a lot to cover today. So like I said, Chuck Esposito, Carnell Johnson, the Golden Pipes, Stitch Duran, all of that and a whole lot more coming your way as we talk VGK. Get ready for the next round, which will be Monday, game number one. They take on the Montreal Canadiens. And plus, we've got some NBA playoff stuff to talk about as well, too. Two more games coming your way tonight. But uh, let's start with a little VGK, Frank. And a uh, very exciting night again, 18,149. It was electric, everything that we anticipated, and the Gold Knights uh, come out of it with a relatively easy victory when it was all said and done. Yeah, I mean, the final score certainly looked easy. I mean, it was kind of nip and tuck back and forth. Certainly, uh, Colorado got off to the start they wanted to, but it didn't last very long as Vegas tied it up immediately. And from that point of the game, it was either tied or Colorado was chasing the entire game because Vegas got, uh, you know, the second goal, then Colorado tied it, then the third goal, then Colorado tied it. And then Vegas just kind of went from that point on and they ran them over. I didn't think Grubauer had a particularly good game last night, and I said before the series that that was, I thought, was going to be the question mark. I think Marc-Andre Fleury did help in a huge part to win this series for the Vegas Golden Knights, and uh, if you're a Golden Knight fan, I know a guy that's taken a lot of flack this year, and some people have been complaining about him all year. Why do we pay all this money for this guy? Why didn't we go out and get a forward that could score? Uh, Alex Petrangelo was sensational this entire series. He was sensational last night. Uh, Pete DeBoer said that he was the best player on the ice last night. Nathan McKinnon also uh, shared those sentiments. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was a great performance for the Golden Knights. The crowd was absolutely incredible. And do you realize that in the next game on Monday night, we're going to see something that we haven't seen all season long? A Canadian uh, invader? Not only Canadian invader... <laughs> 
We're going to hear O Canada for the first time all year. This is true. This is true. Okay. <laughs> so, I, could, I could do without that, but <laughs> we'll, I, like I guess we're stuck with it. I like it. It's I, okay. I, I think it's cool. So, and, and, and I do want to get uh, Carnell's thoughts, too, on what it's like, again, in the full fortress there with everybody just going yeah. crazy. But, um, no, it was a very good performance for Vegas. They got scoring from guys that uh, you wouldn't necessarily expect it. I thought Holden's goal was one that Grubauer definitely should have had. And Petrangelo's goal... When Alex Tuck turned around and he slapped that shot, I thought, that isn't going anywhere near the net. But he knew it wasn't going near the net. You see these teams today, we talk about how players from behind the net try to bounce it off the backside of a goalie. Tuck took that shot knowing that he wasn't going to score on it, hoping that it had a fortuitous bounce in front. Petrangelo went right to it. Grubauer had no chance whatsoever because he couldn't go post to post. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was a good performance all over. For the Vegas Golden Knights, they got some depth scoring, and uh, they're a big favorite in the next round for a reason because they're on an absolute roll. They just beat the team with the President's Trophy, although they had the same amount of points and actually more wins this season, just not regulation wins. And Montreal has been a nice story up to this point, but let's be honest. If there wasn't a Northern Canadian division this year, I highly doubt the Canadians would be going to the semifinals. Yeah, and you could make the argument that this thing is, I don't want to say tainted, that's pretty a pretty strong word, but yeah, we're not getting you know the best matchups, we're not getting the best teams. It's tilted. It, it is, it's tilted, that's it. You know, like the old pinball games that they used to dominate back in the day. So you look at Montreal, I agree with you, and it's hard to get excited. And we talked about this last week, we didn't want to start getting ahead of ourselves, but when you start looking at, okay, the Minnesota Wild, we knew that was going to be a very tough series for the Golden Knights because of the matchups and how big and physical the Wild were and the way they played them during the course of the regular season and even in past seasons. Same thing with the Colorado Avalanche. We saw those eight I'd say brutal matchups that they had against them that, you know, during the regular season, four and four. We talked about the Lake Tahoe series, and you knew that both of these teams, the Wild and the Avalanche, were going to be very uh, toughly contested series. Uh, as it turned out, uh, maybe the Wild series was a little bit tougher for the Golden Knights than the Avalanche turned out to be. Avalanche number one uh, seed, President's Trophy, like you said, but the Golden Knights got themselves down in a, in a two-game uh, to nothing, you know, uh, you know, whole, but then they won the next four games and really seemed to be in control of the series, really going back to, I would say, probably the second half of game number two, even though they lost that game. And then definitely in, in games five and game six, uh, they, they definitely, uh, you know, showed how strong they were. So, yeah, it, it, we said last week that this was kind of like, seemed like a Western Conference final series. Uh, or even like a Stanley Cup final, you could make make the argument maybe these were two the they are the two best teams in the NHL this year. Say what you want about Tampa, but maybe a little bit of a letdown. And I kind of now that we're here and we had this this six game you know series off after the seven game series with the Wild. Now we get ready for Montreal, and I think everyone is thinking like, okay, this is this is four or five game series at best. Yeah, I mean, and, and it certainly has that all, written all over it. And I know some people are thinking right now, well, you know, they just came off a series with Colorado and, and Montreal's been rested a little bit. Well, Vegas is going to get a rest too. They're, they're going to get today off, tomorrow off, Sunday off. No travel too. You know, yeah. no travel, and then they don't play till Monday. So it's like they, it, it's not like they're coming off a six-game series. It's like they're getting a rest as well. Marc-Andre Fleury, I highly suspect him to start. 
We know Robin Leonard started with the last series, but the way Flowers has been playing, I think he's been sensational. No, I mean, everything is written for Vegas to go to the final. And I want to throw this in, too, because I know that I've mentioned a couple times that Colorado had to play without Nazem Kadri. It was his own fault. That's not the reason Vegas won the series. Vegas was the better team. They were the deeper team. Pete DeBoer on a night-to-night basis had to decide which players to put in and which ones to scratch out. And it's like when a guy was out, he didn't sit around a pouch or something. The next time that he did get in, they all came up, and it seemed like they played really good games. So, you know, that's a luxury they had. So for anybody that's thinking that, like I was saying, like, oh, well, you know, Colorado's without one of their biggest weapons, they were without one of their tough guys. He's not one of their biggest weapons out there. He's not a scoring. It's not like when Vegas was without Pacioretty or something. So Vegas was clearly the better team in this series. And, you know, at this point, I'm wondering right now, and I know we're going to talk about the Golden Knights mainly here, but I don't know what Colorado does. And, and Nathan McKinnon said it after last night's game. He said, I've been in this league now for nine years, and I haven't won blank. You know, I, he's upset. He's mad. He doesn't know what to do. And I don't know what to do if you're Colorado either. They have one of the top teams every year. Now they go out once again at this stage of the playoffs. They can't get it done in the playoffs for whatever reason. Is it goaltending? Is it that they get too cute? Are they not tough enough? Because it is a different style of play in the playoffs a little bit. Is it all about matchups? Because, again, looking at the matchups going in, we're like, okay, they were 4-4 against each other in the regular season. But for whatever reason, come playoff time, Colorado hasn't gotten it done. Vegas seems like a team built for the regular season, but also for the playoffs. And Pete DeBoer said that as well. They addressed it. In fact, I believe Kelly McCrimmon said that once we got Mark Stone, we went from a playoff team to a true Stanley Cup contender. Now, some people might be saying, what are you talking about? You went to the final the first year. But they also kind of got boat raced by Washington once Barry Trotz and the Capitals made those adjustments. Vegas won the first game, got the first goal in the second, and after that, it was all Capitals. Kind of like in this series. Colorado won the first game, found a way to win the second, but after that it was all Vegas. Nothing Colorado could do. They couldn't make the adjustments. Vegas couldn't make the adjustments that season one, but this team looks very deep. The top line is rolling, and they shut down Colorado's top line, which has to be incredibly difficult for Colorado to swallow. The goaltending edge was certainly Marc-Andre Fleury, not the tandem, Marc-Andre Fleury himself. The defensemen are there. The young guys are doing well. Petrangelo is probably the healthiest he's been all year, and he looks right now. And, again, they haven't said he's injured, but you could tell that he didn't look right. He's looked right in this series. Boy, I'll tell you what. I'm not saying Vegas is going to be winning the Stanley Cup because I'm not going way that far ahead. But right now they are playing sensational hockey, and you've got to figure they're the team to beat. Even with Tampa Bay being the team with the crown, and, you know, they have to. You know, they say you have to take the crown from the king. But, boy, Vegas, I, I certainly think they have the easier series here. And that's not a slight on Montreal. They've been a nice story. They're not that good of a hockey team. Well, going back to what you said with Colorado, I think the answer is, is right in front of them. And looking at the Golden Knights for the past six games, it, you got to do what the Golden Knights did. Colorado needs to get help. Uh, defensively, that's where their weakness is. Like I said, offensively, they're fine. I mean, they got they they're fast, got great skaters. They can score. I mean, they came into this thing averaging nearly five goals per game. But when you're giving up eleven goals in two games, they gave up you know five uh, you know a, a few games ago, and they gave up six last night. And I you know Grant, I know empty net and that sort of thing. But the bottom line is they have to shore themselves up defensively, and they are too careless with the puck. I mean, with the turnovers and in giving it away deep in their own zone. And Grubauer needs to be better. Grubauer was better 
during the course of the season, and especially in that last series against St. Louis, than he was at any point in time during this season. So I think, you know, Colorado, it could be a very good hockey team. But like you said, you bring Stone in, you bring in, you know, and you tighten up your defense. What we've been talking about with Vegas has been their defense. You know, for the better part of this regular season, definitely the postseason here, and that's how Vegas got better. That's why Vegas has is going to be the favorite, probably, to win the, the Stanley Cup, or at least you know face uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, which we're thinking. But we'll see how it all plays plays out. But I think you know Colorado is still a very good hockey team, like you said. I know McKinnon's upset, but they got to get better defensively. Well, yeah, I, they have to, and and it's hard to say when you have a team that has one of the finalists for the Viz now out there. Grubauer's yeah. played well, but I, I but, was but he did not play well this series. No, he didn't play yeah. well this series. And that's what I said going into the yeah. series, that I questioned what he could do. And you have to give full props to the second line of Vegas. The original mm-hmm. Misfit line, they were absolutely on fire. I yes. know Marshall had the bulk of the goals, but every one of the goals, mm-hmm. those guys, Smith, Carlson, and Marshall, they were all over the place. They were reaping the rewards of having a top line of Stevenson, Pacioretty, and, of course, Stone. And they were like, hey, we don't have to check the top line for the other team. Let's go crazy. And they did. There you go. Chuck Esposito joins us here, Sunset Station, on this Friday afternoon. Chuck, a week ago we sat here in this studio, and I don't want to say things were looking a little bleak, but the Golden Knights were down 2 nothing. You you brought up to us uh, how they were a huge underdog to win this series, and sure enough, it flipped. Uh, VGK wins four straight in an impressive fashion last night. They really did, but, but although I pointed that out, I, I think I also said that all Colorado did was hold serve. They did what they were expected to do, and that was win the two games at home. It was up to us now to, to send it back to Colorado 2-2, and then it's a series. And I, I think you, you look at it, if you throw out game one, um, for whatever reason, you know, the rest, uh, the putting Leonard out there, whatever it was, being tired. Um, after that, I mean, you make a, a real case that, that I think we outplayed them three of the next five games. And winning that pivotal game in Colorado changed everything. Uh, Colorado scored first last night. We answered right away. Uh, we kept taking that one-goal lead. Uh, I loved our speed in the series. I loved the way we back-checked. Listening to you guys talk about Grubauer, there's still a reason. He's a Vesna Trophy finalist. Um, but I, I go back to our side of the ice and you know even though he made a mistake in in game five and rebounded from that the reason we're where we're at is because of number 29 the six shutouts the nine game winning streak you know everything that went on would he be a knight wouldn't he be a knight this guy has been the backbone of the team. He is the, the heart and soul of the team. There's more jerseys or sweaters around with number 29 on them than anybody else on that team. And I think you make a serious case for Marc-Andre Fleury being the MVP of this team. No, oh, I totally agree with that. He stopped 30 shots last night, 11 in the third period alone. Uh, he now has sole possession of fourth place all-time in playoff wins with uh, 89. I mean, think about that. And that is your goalie. He easily might be in third place by the time this year's over. Yeah. Well, not, not only this yeah. year, if he wins four more right. games, yeah. he's in third. So yeah. if they eliminate Montreal and he gets all the starts, which is completely expected, sure. he drops into third behind Brodeur and Wah. That's pretty, pretty it hefty is. company there. I think, you know, just, just looking at last night, too, and you can say that, hey, Colorado was the better team last night. That they were the more aggressive team. Uh, they had a number of opportunities. McCarr, um, you know, a- had a number of chances. They just didn't put the puck on net. Yeah. But when they did, 
Number 21 was number 29 sure was acrobatic. I mean, for a 36-year-old goalie, the way he was able to go down, go from side to side, make big saves. I think our team back-checked better last night. That We weren't intimidated, I think, after game one. We saw Colorado speed. We weren't intimidated that much. But for me, again, it goes back to one guy. And that's number 29. I mean, he has just stood on his head all year with all the adversity about Leonard's our guy and the way he was, um, you know, he was brought into it the year before and he played. He started in the playoffs um, that Flurry has done just a terrific job. And, you know, if they go on to win the cup, it really sets up something interesting because what do you do now? I mean, Flurry is your number one goalie. And you're still not going to go into next year with $14 million in, with, with goalie salaries because you just can't. We saw what it did to them this year with the cap, having to send guys up and down and really being shorthanded in a lot of games down the stretch. Uh, I think it ends up being a kind of an interesting question. Um, a better question would be is, I know that we're not in the expansion draft for the Kraken, but if we were, which goalie would they expose? Oh, and I throw that yeah. out there, playing that what-if game or yep. something like that. There's no way. If yeah. they didn't protect Flurry, th- this crowd base would yeah. go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And it'd be what, what to me would be more interesting about that, because I would expect them to protect Flurry. If you dangle the Leonard carrot, would the Kraken take it? They might. With that salary. I, and I that. have to wonder, if, if we win yeah. the Cup, and we very well may. I heard you say, you know, we might. We are the favorite. Yes, we are the favorite. Yeah. Um, oh, they gotta is, be. Is do they deal Leonard in the off season? Yeah. Does that become a topic? Because you are not going to carry, you know, thirteen five or fourteen million in goalie salaries again next year. And I think it's interesting if Vegas does get through Montreal. I think we're clearly the better team. Montreal's played great. They've won seven straight games. They were prohibitive dogs to Toronto. The way they came back in that series. Looking at what they've done now, leading. In seven straight games, never relinquishing the lead. What will happen if they fall behind against Vegas will be interesting. But they're going to have to play if they get by, if they get through Montreal, either the defending champs or Barry Trotz again, right. you know, who was the coach of Washington four <laughs> years ago, who we won the first game, then we lost four in a row. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic. You've got Pacioretty against his old team, Montreal. I'm Nick curious. Suzuki, the young kid uh, who was one of the, you know, the young stars in that first draft of the Knights playing for Montreal. Should be fun, boys. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see what kind of ovation uh, Pacioretty gets up there in Montreal. I think Suzuki's oh, going to get a warm one here I at Team Mobile. I think Pacioretty will get a huge one. He was their team captain. I mean, he he you know he's a he's a legend there. He was their team captain, and you know he'd been there for a long time. And there's reasons that you see a guy like Patangelo or 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 Pacioretty dealt or at some point. And usually it has to do with you know the cap or, yep. or a team that's rebuilding or something like that. But he achieved a lot there. He was their team captain. It's going to be fun though, guys. I mean, you have a Canadian team in the Final Four. You've got the defending champs. You got a rematch of the Eastern Conference final last year, Tampa and the Islanders, and you've got Vegas, and they are just, you know, they could be tired, they could have a little bit of a letdown after beating Colorado, winning four straight, but I think those three days off will be huge, Um, and there's a reason they're such a big favorite in game one and in the series, guys. No doubt about it. All right, looking forward to that. You know, going back to what you're talking about, Chuck, with Marc-Andre Fleury talk, you know, the one guy that everybody needs to thank here, and it goes unsung here, is Bill Foley. Because Bill Foley is the guy who kept Marc-Andre Fleury here. I don't know if a lot of people talk about that or even know that. But he went to Kelly McCrimmon and said, you know, you're talking about you know, getting rid of this guy? Because this guy is stain. Pl- plain and simple. Bill Foley was the guy who said, you're n- we're not getting rid of number 29. He is going to be our guy. So keep him in the fold here, but we're not getting rid of him. And, and, and if you didn't have an owner who, who, who takes – 
you know, uh, you know, you know, pride and ownage into this franchise because uh, not a lot of owners do that, you know. But to Bill Foley's credit, he he, he made it very clear that uh, they were not going to get rid of. That was his order not to get rid of Flurry. And it, I, I it turns don't out know to be that. that to be factual. I mean, if if I yeah. you know I, I will agree with you. I mean, if you you know listen to all the rumblings in the off season, I find it hard to believe if a team would have offered to take that salary off that they wouldn't have made the deal. I think they said all the right things when they weren't able to move him. Um, and if uh, Foley did step in and say that, that's perfectly fine. And, and a lot of ownership groups will say that with a guy they can't move. I know it was a condensed season, and we talked about that the one advantage they had is that they had a two-headed monster between the pipes. Um, still feel that when you gave Leonard that deal, it was with the, with the plan to deal number 29. So that may have changed, and, and yeah. ownership may have come out and made those statements, but but I truly believe when the season ended last year that he was on the block. Yeah. Oh, I, I do, too. And the other thing about it, too, and when we're talking about it, Leonard was obviously Pete DeBoer's guy. Absolutely. There, I mean, that, there's the key right there. You know, yeah. That's why we Mark saw so much of him. Be, all the drama and the soap opera that last year was with the sword through the flurry back and yep. all that kind of stuff that went out, I really think that inspired Flurry again. He's always been a workout f- uh, fanatic. He worked out in the off season. At 36, he might have had his best season he's ever had. Agreed. The, the guy is younger and better Ballpark, and quicker. He's never been a Vesna finalist. He's before. never been a nominated. He is at 36. He's I know. never been nominated. He is it's, at it's amazing. And then he's breaking all these records and doing everything else. But how we're talking about the second line came to life in the Colorado series. And, you know, a lot of people, oh, I don't want to hear about season one anymore. I'm tired of the Golden Misfits. Flurry had the Golden Misfit mentality again. And we were talking yep. before about, okay, let's play the make believe game of. If they were in the draft, which which goalie would they protect? How much do you think Pittsburgh is looking in the rearview mirror going, why didn't we protect Flurry and not Matt Murray? Matt Murray's yeah. not uh-huh. their goalie anymore. And I know he but was they younger and they cup, thought yeah. they had won the Murray cup and they thought ago. that Murray right. was the yeah. was the guy coming yeah. up in that. But but again in hindsight well, yeah, I mean, we, we know what they say about hindsight. And I, I think at that point, Pittsburgh made, you know, based on the salary cap and knowing that they, oh, had, absolutely. That they had, you know, uh, Malkin and they and they were paying um, Crosby all that money, that they needed to, to move on. They, they couldn't keep a salary. And they were like looking that. at Fleury's age and, as well, too. But that's you know? one of the yeah. things I really love about hockey. I mean, I'm a huge Blackhawks fan, and, and I love the Knights, too. But, you know, growing up in Chicago and, and going back for, you know, each year when they won the Cup and seeing what happened afterward because of the cap. But I think that's what gives it such a balanced uh, playing ice, if you say, is that in hockey it is a hard cap. There isn't that wiggle room outside of, you know, somebody who's injured and they come back for the postseason, which is a whole other story this year for Tampa. But um, but I really think the cap makes it such a level playing field. And that's why you see teams having to make hard decisions every single year. And I think that's why this year with the Kraken, with guys like Eichel, and Mitch Marner and Nylander, there is going to be some big-name guys moved around the draft because of the maneuvering of what the Kraken can do and what guys have seen kind of take place this year and how they're up against the cap to some degree. By the way, I think we should let fans know, too, when you're talking about the cap in Tampa Bay and that, for them that don't know, Dougie Hamilton, after the Hurricanes got eliminated, said, well, yeah, we played pretty good this year. We just got beat by the team that's $18 million over the right. salary cap because— Technically, he's almost right. 
Tampa Bay is like 17.3 million over the cap because Kucherov was injured all season, so he didn't count against the salary cap. But now that the playoffs are here, that kind of stuff. They, they brought play him effect. back though when they could. Yeah, you know, exactly. We when, don't. When know, they, I mean, it could have been earlier than that too. And I guess maybe that's a tweak in the rule that you know you have to at least make the attempt. But but I mean, I'm a Hawks fan. It actually happened with the Hawks. With oh, it Patrick happened with Kane. Patrick Kane they, when he got really, hurt that, that year. It was legit that they really thought that that separated shoulder he wasn't going to come back. And no, and it was a big Absolutely. surprise that he did, um, and he wasn't 100%, but still, you're right. Teams have been able to kind of wiggle, wiggle the, the, they the side that. the and, cap. And, and, right. and let's be honest, yep. Vegas did it too. Yep. The, when they played that game that Colorado won, that got Colorado yep. essentially the President's Trophy, they only played 15 guys. Once the playoffs started, everybody's available again. Yep. No more cap issues. So, you know, I, and I know Tampa Bay is certainly, I mean, they're the they're, they're, within the rules, though. This year. It's within the rules. within the right. rules. But Vegas has also taken advantage of that. But that's where guys like Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee, yep. you want them to know those rules. Yep. That's why they do all year long what they do. That's the that's one of the things in hockey that I think they could change. But I'm, I'm still not a fan, guys. And I know this year was different, and there was no conferences, and it was just the four divisions. And I understand that. But we've seen it, I think, three times now over the last eight years that teams were in the top three in the entire league had to play each other uh, in the playoffs in the in the first or second round. It's a shame that Vegas and Colorado had to play each other in the second round because that easily could have been the Stanley Cup final. Right. Contributions aplenty last night as well, too. And six different goal scorers. I can't remember the last time that we've seen six different goal scorers. And Nick Holden got it all started. Then it was William Carlson. Then it was Keegan Colasar, Will Carrier, Max Pacioretty, and then Alex Petrangelo. Uh, just phenomenal all the way. Uh, and, you know, you were talking about, you know, Fleury being, uh, you know, the guy. Marshall so what he did during the course of, of this uh, playoff series. We really didn't say his name much last night, but Alex Petrangelo, like we talked about. I mean, the guy, you know, I, I believe You're was... You're not paying him all that money not to do that. Exactly. And as Peter DeBoer said, he goes, he was the player of this series, you know, for what he did defensively, and then he ended up scoring. I mean, it was it, it was nice. I think it was what his 46th shot of this postseason, he finally finds the back of the net. But uh, I agree with DeBoer. I mean, Petrangelo is your MVP of this last series. Well, Nathan but, McKinnon said it, too. Well, yeah. and, and finding the back of the net with under 20 seconds to go in the second period yeah, I think 17, of the game yeah. just changed the entire complexion because you go into the locker room now with a much different mindset, and Colorado goes into the locker room squeezing that stick a little bit more, knowing that, hey, we're up against tick, 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 tick. And, you know, you kind of saw that over the first five to eight minutes there. Colorado was pinching up a lot more. They had some opportunities, didn't convert. But I think you can make a case for so many of the nights. I mean, it was it definitely was a, a team effort. Um, I'm still going back to number 29, though, guys. I mean, the reason they've had the success they've had this year is because of his leadership, his calmness, his confidence, and what the team knows they have behind them. Four years of existence with these Vegas Golden Knights. In three of the four, they're in the semifinals. Call it the final four. Call it the 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 this last year it is the, the final the, four. The, yeah. the, the, the last four standing uh, to take a, a station casinos uh, kind of you know realm. Not the last man standing, but the the four teams standing. But pretty impressive on what this organization has done. When you think about, it. of course, you know year one, a lot of people thought, okay, this is you know. 
what's going to happen here? Was it an aberration that they went to the finals? Yeah, like I said, they, they won the first game against Washington. They lost the next four. But then they continued to have the success in, in being going deep in the postseason. Very impressive. And I feel, I don't know about you guys, but this is the strongest roster that they've put together. And it will continue to be that way. They're going to continue to attract free agents because of Vegas, because of the success, because of the ownership, and everything that this city and this organization offers. It is just very, very impressive. I can't think of another organization four years in that, you know, three out of the four, you're in the final four. Well, I mean, I think it was the entire draft. I mean, it was we manipulated the process extremely well, <laughs> um, if you want to use that word. I mean, the fact that we were able to circumvent it. Teams, teams, right, <laughs> teams were able to say, don't take this guy, but we'll give you this draft pick and this guy. Kind of like with the salary cap. They, they played within the rules, they did but they it used really, it really advantage. well. They have now written the playbook for it, and if you're the Kraken, you are reading that every single night. Um, and I agree with a lot of what you said. And, you know, it's fast-track now where the five to, the five-year plan just to make the postseason got erased. I mean, right. we had their win total up for points at 62-and-a-half. They obliterated that. <laughs> I mean, we were we had some liability on them. I was, you know, from a business side of it, rooting against the <laughs> <laughs> um, but a lot of what you say is true, except for one thing right now, and we've talked about it. I mean, you look at what they're paying guys like Stone and Pertangelo and what they have mm-hmm. tied up between the pipes. I mean, they're up against it. I mean, they were a team that really was up against it. So as as great as the situation is and how supportive ownership is and, you know, what a great fan base, they, there's going to be tough decisions, too, because, oh, sure. again, I go back yeah. to the fact it is a unbelievable salary cap in that league. I mean, the Hawks won it, had the deal Dustin Bufflin, and their young goaltender, Artemi uh, Niemi, they couldn't even sign. Um, you know, they let him go after they won the cup. So there's tough decisions to be made. They lost Panarin because of that. So there's a lot of tough decisions yeah. that they're going to have to make in the offseason just because of the cap, regardless of how inviting it is to come play yeah, for it, It's like the NFL. You need a, a capologist, a big-time capologist to, to maneuver but your way NFL, through this. You, you, know? you can convert. Um, yes, true. To signing there's, bonuses. There's more leeway. So there there yeah. is a little bit yeah. more wiggle room there. Yeah. In hockey, it yeah. really is very cut and dry. And I think, Ballpark, that's what makes it so great is that every year you see usually at least a 50% turnover in teams that make the playoffs that don't make the playoffs. So kind of a cool thing, I think. In yeah, so that's one of the things that I always watch when those Hawks were winning. Uh, look at what Brandon Saad did. Who knew who He was going to be an offensive juggernaut for Colorado. Uh, you know, he won two of those cups with the Hawks. Patrick Sharp was there, then he was gone, yep. then he was back. I mean, they, they did a lot of finagling that, but that's the thing. You know, when you have success, everybody wants a raise with the hard salary cap. Everybody can't get a race, so right. all of a sudden you got to figure out what pieces fit and what ones don't. Who's expendable? That's the reality of it. All right, great stuff. All right, uh, VGK on to the semifinals. Montreal Canadiens in game number one will take place Monday night at the Fortress T-Mobile Arena at 6 o'clock. And the voice that you will hear singing the national anthem Monday night, well, he joins us coming up here next. Carnell Johnson, Golden Pipes in the house. We are live from Sunset Station, T.C. Martin Show on a fabulous Friday. Hey, everyone, this is Carnell, a.k.a. Golden Pipes, and I want to welcome you back to the T.C. Martin Show. You heard the Golden Pipes right there. You heard the Golden Pipes last night. And we've heard them at uh, all the home games here in the playoffs as well, too. And uh, we'll get to hear them Monday night against Montreal when the Canadiens come to town for game number one of the Stanley Cup semifinals. And uh, 
Great friend of the program, just a great guy all around. And he joins us here live today. Carnell Johnson, what is up, my man? Not much, not much. How you doing today? Oh, we're doing great, man. Good. You yeah. know? Yeah. So uh, we saw you last night doing your thing mm-hmm. in front of 18,149. Uh, does it ever get old, man? No, it really doesn't. It just it gets louder and louder and louder, which I didn't think was possible, um, but definitely never gets old. Right. So last night, uh, give us some, you know, you saw the game last night. You always hang out after you do the anthem. Maybe, a lot of people probably don't know. Hey, does this guy just, uh, does he hang out? Does he watch the game? Is he paying attention? Does he just head home, beat the traffic? What does he do? Uh, what were your thoughts about last night's uh, you know, series clincher. Man, it, nervous first two periods. Very, very nervous. Um, just knowing it was going to be one of these two teams, you know, probably going the distance. Which team? I had no idea. I wanted it to be the Knights, of course, and, I, and I'm glad that it is. But just Colorado all year, like our, our series for the year was 4-4. Four and four. So we couldn't, you know, I couldn't bet on one team or another. And the fact that we won four straight against them, like, I was blown away by it. You know what I want to know? I want to know, do you know what your record is when you sing the national anthem? What is your record for the Golden Knights? If I had my scarf, I could actually tell you that answer. Seriously? Yeah, because what I do is uh, I put a pin on the scarf every time I sing and they win. Um, I believe for the regular season it was tw- it was either twenty or twenty one. Uh, I can't remember right off the top of my head right now, but I know for postseason um, it's one, two, three, four, it's five now. Really? Okay. Did you ever get that from people or even from the uh, Golden Knights or fans? Say, oh, you're a lucky charm when you first started, and you, they, you know, you won like maybe your first four or five times you sang. Or you ever get that? I got uh, definitely that first season. I think I was uh, uh, fourteen and zero uh, for, <laughs> for, for for the times that I sang. And then hold on, you, we, need, we need to bet on this guy. Is he on the board? <laughs> um, yeah, because because it was those. I, I I sang five times. We won five times. I sang, and then I took a little break. Sang four times. This is all in regular season. Yeah. We won those four times, and then every time I sang postseason, uh, we won until I think we got up to the to the Jets, and then you know that's right. that was the first time I sang, and we lost. And they were just like, "That's okay. We, you know, your record is upstanding, so we're good with it." Let, let's go to, back to the scarf thing, and I always wanted to, to ask you that because we, we see you up there, and you've got the Golden Knights jersey, and then you do have the scarf. So, where did that come from? Is there a meaning behind that? Symbolic at all, or it's the first piece of Golden Knights quote unquote history that they ever gave me. My my first anthem I ever sang. I was in a suit. I didn't know. You know, right. I'm singing hockey. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll wear this nice suit. I'm freezing as I walk out right. on the ice. Not really. Oh, yeah, it's less than 32 degrees <laughs> down here. So, um, But then when they called me back the second time, they wanted me to represent a little bit. So they gave me that... Um, that first scarf that the season ticket holders all got for that first season. And since that's the first thing I ever got from them, it just it's very special to me. So I'm just I'm keeping it going as, as long as I can. I remember us uh, watching you sing that the, the first time you were there. I said, Where'd they get this guy from the opera? I mean, like, he's in a suit and everything. He's got the baritone voice and everything. What is this guy? Now you see him. Is, is that the same guy? Have you ever done that? Do, do a, a picture of before and after game one to game whatever? I should. Uh, you should. I, I, I need to look at that because yeah. every now and then, you know, my, my feed in, in February, February 28th, I believe, uh, it, it, right? it pops up yeah. that, you know, the four, well, four years ago now, it's, 
it'll pop up and have me walking out to the ice. I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's what I used to look like back then with the suit and trying to look all proper and everything. And now I'm just in a jersey and jeans and Adidas. And, you know, I just I, I like how it, how it has progressed to what it yeah. is now. That's great. Well, Cardinal and, and, Johnson and, joins us here. The Golden Pipes in the house. And again, when you first got the gig, you didn't know that you were going to be the guy like pretty much every night or whatever. I mean, there was open auditions. They thought it was going to be different people in that. And I do want to ask you this, too, because you've been up in the castle recently now because of COVID and everything else out there. What's the different vibe up there as opposed to being down on the ice? Um, It's hard to describe because it's... It's different energies, but just the same kind of hype where, you know, you're down on the ice. Um, all eyes are focused down onto you in, unless you're looking over uh, at the flag, uh, which is on the opposite side from the castle from me. But up in the castle, it's almost a little bit less pressure, even though you've got spotlights, you're standing up there. But the one thing is I have um, the drum bots and the vivas around me a little bit, so I'm not up there by myself i have a little bit of support um but but it's energy wise it's no different it's just as electric up there as it is uh down on the ice has there been any talk about uh, you getting back down to the ice i haven't heard anything yet okay. you know i if if there is i'm i hate speculating but it probably wouldn't be until next season mm-hmm. um you know i i know they just want to make sure that everything is 100 percent safe um they just i know if if there's no any uh, essential personnel are the only people allowed right. out there. And, yeah, you you can sing from anywhere. You know, you can give me a microphone. You can play a recording if you wanted to. Um, so I'm very thankful that they bring me back and let me do it live. But, um, but yeah, since I can sing from anywhere, they just want to keep, keep all of us up there for now. Now that you are up there in the castle and you're doing it, you mentioned the vivas there and the drum bots and that, but do you also kind of get a little inside information about who's going to be doing the horn at the start of the game and that? Have you ever looked at it and says, wow, this is Gene Simmons or this is so-and-so or something? And you're like, hey, this is actually pretty cool. I, I, I mean, as far as inf- the most inside information I get is that I get to see them before they do it. So, you know, last night I'm sitting there and I turn around and there's Asia Wilson and Jackie Young. And I was like, huh. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, um, I, I had to leave for the Gene Simmons one. Um, but, you know, Richard Branson was on last night. Um, the, the, the Raiders, they, they're they just like, the Raiders are just filtering through right now. Yeah, Derek Carr was there the one night. Yeah. I, I know Lil John and Wayne Newton. All, yep. these teams, all, all of a sudden, they're like best buddies. Yeah. Like, I'm waiting for their duet video to come out or something. Right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, great stuff. So being up there singing, uh, when you first started doing it any any snafus at all or how much different was it being on the ice up there different um, approach anything like that so every person who has ever sung the anthem will tell you they it's not that they don't like singing the anthem but that they're scared of singing the anthem oh that's true it's a hard song it's, yep. it is yep. a hard song yep. you know anybody who knows uh music theory at all knows that uh if you look at the piano it's an octave and a half range and that's a big range for people so you have to factor that and then you have to fact you have to factor in that the first two line not lines but the first two stanzas are the exact same syllables and they rhyme so it's really easy to sing and as you're singing you go did I already sing this? And then that just throws you for a loop and you can mess up the rest of the song. So the first time I was up there, 
I noticed that the Nitron was blocking the lyrics that I usually look at when I'm down on the ice. And it, I shouldn't say I look at them, but it's it's a safety net. Right, so if right, I'm singing right. and you know I'm going along and I was like, wait, did I sing that? I get to look up, catch myself. I was like, okay. So first time ever, I... I was scared, and I was just like, I really can't mess this up because you've had big celebrities who have messed up the song before, and they just never get to live it down. Um, but now, uh, you know, just one of one of the little secrets, um, they put the lyrics down on the floor for me, just so like, if I need to, I can glance down and just catch myself. And you found yourself uh, doing that once in a while when you need to, or yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the first few times, That's... I've actually been okay. Yeah. The, the last few times, but yeah, the first two times because um, I haven't I, that was going right back into the fortress right nobody was there and I hadn't done it for a long time you know we did the the fortress at home stuff but even then like there was I had my webcam on me and I had the lyrics right off to the side of the webcam because I was like oh well this is easy um, but yeah it's 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 something now that I feel more secure with yeah great stuff oh my daughter will be doing the aces game next week uh, as well too so so uh, yeah I know that uh, she's probably listening today as well too so she, awesome. she, she loves it when when you come on awesome break a leg uh, there you- <laughs> Do you still have to do sound checks every game? Nope. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> My first game, I did a sound check, and then when I came in the next week and did the Canadian anthem for the first time, mm-hmm. I did a sound check. And so my last sound check was in 2018. Okay. <laughs> but but I, I, I know that when someone comes in, definitely for the first time, you know, they, they have to go through a sound check. And let's go back to the first time you did it. And then when you were recurring, were you coming back every day a couple hours in advance to do sound check? Nope. No, no, it okay. was literally like that first time. Wow! And they just kind of dialed it in then, and then when I came back for the Canadian anthem, they just put the dial in, and you know they don't have to do much now. Yeah. Um, they do have to do a sound check, and so actually one of the audio guys right mimics yeah. me. Yeah. Um, and he said that he'll uh tape it one day or record it one day. I still have yet to see that because he's like, dude, I sound nothing like <laughs> you, and everybody just laughs when I do it. So you got the you got the star concert treatment now too. So so when we, so when the you know the the concerts go on and where that group is doing the residency, uh, they 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 send other people out to go to do that. So Carnell has reached that status now. Well, not Beautiful. only that, but you talk about the residency. These these bands come to town and they go, oh, so and so is at the, this place or that place for a one month residency. Carnell can look and go, I've got a four year residency. What are you about? <laughs> Knock on some wood, man. You know, right, because, yeah. because you never want to get too comfortable. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. But uh, no, you do a fantastic job. Thank and again, you. you are part of the the culture here. You're part of the fabric of that building, this organization, and uh, deservedly so. And I, I can speak. We hear it all the time. No one wants to have anybody else come in here and sing the anthem but you. And so that's that's a credit to you, my friend. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, it's it's always. I I never take it for granted, you know. It's 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 something that I I've worked so hard and long to get to some sort of you know stature, and that's what every every performer does. You know, you right. you audition, you audition, you get no after no after no, and then all it takes is that one yes. Yeah. And you know, this is this is what happened with me. Right. And it's funny we go back to the sound checks because. I remember during that, that first season when we would get there early, 
that we would we would uh, uh, see people and hear people go through that and sing the anthem a couple hours in advance. That was before you were a regular. But I remember us, you know, being up in Hyde Lounge or being up in the press box where we would see these people, you know, go through that. So uh, that's great. Yeah, that's good. That way you can just show up now and uh, do your thing. You don't have to be there a couple hours early and go through that that whole thing again. Although I will say that because I don't have to be there a couple hours early, uh, parking can be a nightmare. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> tell me about it. We, we live that all the time. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I, I leave about an hour, between an hour to an hour and a half before puck drop. And I try to leave closer to the hour and a half mark because I'm trying to beat traffic. And the last three out of four times, I have not been successful. <laughs> now, after you sing the anthem and the puck is dropped in that, and now you can kind of relax and enjoy the game, what's it like when you're walking around and all of a sudden you realize, yeah, you're not one of the guys on the ice or something like that, but you are a celebrity because everybody wants to stop you. They want to shake your hands. They want the selfie taken or whatever. They tell you what a great job you did doing the anthem or whatever. Is that kind of almost like a surreal thing when you're walking around there and it's like you're stopped a thousand times do you ever think like i wish i could just kind of kick back and enjoy the game but it's just (laughs) part of the package at at this point you know uh i've kind of accepted that it's just part of the package um it it was you know the first couple years it was amazing um you know third and fourth year as as you settle into it uh you you do realize that people genuinely enjoy what you do and they and yeah they want a picture with you and so you know you're along the likes of uh, of uh, Renee Rancor and Jim Cornelison um you know these these guys have been I know Renee is uh, uh retired now but Jim is still singing he's been singing for the Blackhawks for over well over 20 25 years so you know just just being in this this echelon of of people who do this for a living is st- it still can be pretty surreal you know and especially when you're walking around um sometimes if i'm just trying to get somewhere i'll put a hat on and my glasses and i'll wear a mask <laughs> and i'll just keep my head down and walk really fast well wearing a mask has gotten a lot easier these days well yeah yeah, yeah you know you can, <laughs> yeah no especially when they started allowing like the 2000 and then the, the 7000 fans in um and i would want to go you know if i'd have to get something to eat or use the restroom really quick i would just really quick put it down if if i was like bolting there right. um but now that everything's open you know it's it's fun i get to see everybody again that i got to see and so yeah i'll walk around and you know if someone asks me to take a picture i'll i'll never say no um i'm just i'm not that kind of person so it's it's fun no and i can i can attest to that too because <laughs> doing the games up in hyde lounge for years and seeing you there i mean you literally i mean you you walk two steps and somebody else does mm-hmm. it and then this group wants it with the end then they want a group picture in this and that <laughs> and and i've never seen you shy away from it or say i gotta be someplace or whatever i mean you're always accommodating they always want to talk to you they want the picture and that so no but i mean but 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 it's got to be a little bit strange did, did when you first got the gig did you ever foresee something like that happening or is it just kind of like Oh wow, this is going on too. Never, <laughs> never. That, that that's all I can say about yeah. that is just I I never thought of it. You know, I'm like, I'm just I, I sing I sing a song. That's you know, and I know there are people out there who just sing songs and they're you know mega stars. But I'm like, I just go out there and sing a song and then enjoy the game. You know, used I used to have a couple drinks, but now I'm. I'm watching it because I'm up there in the mm-hmm. castle, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm better now about it. Um, but yeah, I just go out there and sing a song. Still get nervous? Only because of the lyrics. 
Okay, right. Um, the, the I remember like the second or third time, like my right leg started shaking. <laughs> I don't want to say violently, yeah. but it was it was going, and it was noticeably. Yes, yes, yeah. noticeably. Yeah. Um, and it was a combination of the temperature and nerves at that time. The, the camera luckily was not in your legs, my no. friend. They're, <laughs> they're on they're on you, your face, and the flag. Yep. Yeah. They're like, hey, look, look, Carnell's keeping time with the music. That's right. He's going a little fast. <laughs> that's, a little bit, uh, that, that, that's not like 140. <laughs> Beats per minute. Yeah, yeah you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just stretching, stretching yeah. it out, yeah. and just keeping the beats a little bit quicker. How about the uh, strangest selfie request for you? Ooh, um, whether it's know. strange, whether it's weird, and we can get into the whole celebrity thing as well. But just again, I mean, you're a man of the public. Yeah, there hasn't, there hasn't been too many strange requests. I will say, I, I get, I, I get a little. Or situations, weird. yeah, yeah. So, so one situation I get weirded out at is when people ask just to take a picture of me, just out in the public. Like if they sneak one, there's nothing you can do about that. It's almost like that paparazzi style. Mm-hmm. But if I'm just like standing there, you know, I'm getting groceries or buying gas or something, and it's like, hey, you know, can I get a picture? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then they get ready to take a picture, and I was like, no, 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 you have to be in it with me. Like I, I, I don't. It's it's so. Weird. Why, so why is that for you? Uh, it's weird. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. It's, I mean, like I said, if you're like, sneaking a picture, yeah. <laughs> you're, if you're sneaking a picture of me, you know, and I don't know about it. Sure. It doesn't matter. But if you're like, can I take a picture of you? I'm like, mm, no, be in it with me, you know? And, and cause I, cause I, I think for me, I think it means more when that person is in the picture with me, you know? Yeah, take a picture of me, but be in it so that we can you can show, you know, oh, I wasn't just like, I caught him looking at me smiling, you know. Carnell Johnson right shops here. at Albertsons. <laughs> <laughs> it's Smith's, actually. There it is. Yeah, there you go. See? I'm just joking. <laughs> Across the board. Yeah. So. But, yeah, you could be at any one of them or something. Yeah, Absolutely. That, that's kind of weird that it's like. What? I don't think he's what? loading up on the Coca-Cola like you are, though. I mean, yeah. <laughs> pushing your cart with about 16 cases of Coca-Cola. It's Friday. There's a special three six-packs for Five bucks today. You have to I stopped that on the way here. Your it, beverage, it's a Friday only your sales. beverage of choice, Carnell is um, uh, adult or either one. Either one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Since we're talking grocery stores, <laughs> I mean, nothing, you can never go wrong with with a cold beer. Um, but if if I'm not doing if I'm not doing that, then I uh, yeah. water actually. Yeah, yep. yeah, uh, of course. So. Have you ever declined anybody that has not the selfie part, but if you see them take and say they'll they just want you? Do you say oh no no no, or do you let them do it? I I've, well I've never seen anybody quote unquote sneak a picture right. So I but I mean the ones that you said that just want one of you by yourself whether you're pumping gas. Do you say uh, oh no or okay? I've, I've, I no, I'll, I'll I'll call them over. I'll be like, you have to be in it okay. with me. I'll, I'll say like when they get ready to take it, I'll be like, oh no no, you have to you know come be in it with me. And they're like, well I don't know how to do a selfie. And then I'm like, well I'm on that bridge of millennial slash whatever the one before was. I can't remember. <laughs> um, and so I I still know you know I, I I came of age from analog to digital. So I was like, all right, I'll do the selfie. I got it. All right. Outside of the Golden Knights, if you got a bucket list, a place to sing the national anthem, or for a team or an event, what would it be? I don't know if I have one. Yeah. I mean, you know, you grow up in in Las Vegas. We didn't have pro sports right. teams because you until... really weren't that big of a. We've talked about this before. You weren't that that big of a sports guy, no. really, before. So so now that you're in this sports realm, because you mentioned a couple other singers, you know, Blackhawks and this and that. Mm-hmm. I imagine that you've you know got to know. 
these people now more so than you did before, not personally, but right. just knowing what they do. Right. So is there a bucket list, maybe a sporting event or I mean, venue? You know, everybody could say, you know, the big football game. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it on the air. So. Of course. Well, it's not close. <laughs> so you can say Super Bowl. But okay. remember this. <laughs> if you do sing the National Anthem at the Super Bowl, you better watch it because in this town, everyone's going to go, are you going to go over or under the total? That's if right. Because you, <laughs> that <inside laughs> you, like, you know they put the time on it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, 236. Two, two what do I do? Right. You going to stretch that out a little right. bit more? I want some inside scoop. I, I got win Carnell it. in the under. <laughs> I, I, I can't, I mean, you know, I can't tell you if that ever does happen. I have been a minute 30 plus or minus two seconds for the last four years. Oh, no, his leg's shaking. He's speeding it up. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff, man. All right, so we've got to the Montreal Canadiens, the next round, the semifinals. Have you sang the—you're not going to do it. I know. Have you sang the Canadian National Anthem before, and do you feel comfortable with that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I actually—I'm um, actually, not going to say I like it more, but it's easier to sing. Really? And so a lot of singers who do anthems like that— um, enjoy the Canadian anthem because it's 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 different enough that the stanzas aren't so close, the syllables aren't syllables aren't so close to each other that you know what you have already sung, and so you're like, oh, I got this. It flows for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. much easier. The one thing I want to do um, is I want to start singing it in French if I if I ever do it again. You know, I, I'm mm-hmm. not going to sing it. Uh, this round, well, you know, I mean, they might ask me, but okay. they they have someone else in mind to come and sing it. Um, but yeah, if if do if I do, um, I know a lot of people will do like the first part English, second part yeah. French, third part English, and I'm like, you know what, that sounds perfect. So maybe you can do the it. second part and do the French part. Maybe. We can do a duet. Maybe we that, that hasn't Canada been done duet. before. That hasn't well, been done. Let me before. hear a little uh, polyview French. Today. Let me hear a little French from you. Oh, uh, je m'appelle <laughs> Connell et je suis. Uh, Kiss could say thirsty. I need some I subtitles. Know, there you go. That's, that's <laughs> so the first time that you uh, you knew you were going to sing the Canadian national anthem, were you a little nervous about that, or how much time did you have to put into studying that? Um, thankfully, this was back when I was a gondolier, and one of my cohorts was uh, French Canadian. Or, or Canadian, but she also spoke French, and she actually uh, coached me on the the anthem before I went in to audition for it. So when I went into audition, and they ask, "Can you sing the Canadian anthem?" and I'm like, "Oh, Canada, home and native land," because um, oh, oh, people only know those first parts, right. and it's like, well, I, I promise I know the rest. Um, but she coached me on it, and I and I felt really secure when I when I went into and they asked me to do it. I was like, "Yeah, I got this." Perfect. Yeah. All right. Fun. Appreciate you as always, man, uh, coming by today, taking some time out. And again, you know, we saw you last night, and we look forward to seeing you again on Monday, Golden Knights at the Fortress, T-Mobile Arena, Carnell Johnson. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Yeah, appreciate you, man, as always. The Golden Pipes uh, in the house, and we'll definitely have you back. Thank but, you. All right. <laughs> Carnell Johnson joins us, and again, you'll be able to hear him or see him Monday night, whether you're in person, part of the 18,000-plus at T-Mobile Arena on Monday night, or on television as well, too. So when we come back, we go from one celeb to the other. Stitch Duran in the house, the boxing icon, the actor himself. Oh, yeah. We got Stitch in the house as well, too. Ballpark Frank, T.C. Martin with you on this fabulous Friday. We are live from Sunset Station. We've got NBA playoffs to talk about, more VGK, and a whole lot more boxing this weekend, too, at the Virgin Hotels here in Las Vegas. Don't you dare go anywhere. 
Ladies and gentlemen. Ali, a sneaky right hand. Another sneaky right hand. This time he works over the shoulder of Foreman. T.C. Martin Ballpark. Frank, we are live from Sunset Station here. Club Madrid, right by the sports book. Great time to come on over to Sunset Station, whether it's gaming, the food options, of course, the sports book here, and entertainment back at Club Madrid as well, too. Got the band getting ready to do a sound check and everything. I mean, yeah, our, Stitch was going to get up on stage and sing. I know. I was just going to say, our next guest starts, starts going the wrong way. He's like, oh, I, I'm here to do my sound check. I mean, you know. Got, well, they, they thought Carlos Santana was sitting in with them. This is that's true. That's what they thought. It's <laughs> Carlos. Hey, that's, that's what, what I thought. What are you doing here? Where's the guitar, man? So the Golden Pipes, Carnell Johnson joined us here uh, today. Uh, we appreciate him. And uh, Chuck Esposito a little bit earlier. And now we go from uh, another icon to a different type of icon. But they're all kind of correlated here. The entertainment world. My man Stitch Duran, the baddest cut man in the business. I should say the best because people say the baddest. They think, well, this guy's really bad. But no, he's bad. You know, good is bad. Revolutionized the business. He changed it over. He is the man when it comes to if if you're in a fight. And you're going to get cut. This is the man you want in your corner. Yeah, not only that, but again, when you want somebody in the movie business, uh, you got to have, whether it's a trainer or a cut man, oh, he's our guy. Well, not only that, but you talk about a guy that would give you the shirt off his own back. He's got his own clothing line. Is he's got true? everything. Is this true? Jacob <laughs> Stitch Duran, my man. What's up, brother? Hey, thanks for having me on again, man. Ballpark oh, French, you know, it's always a pleasure seeing you. And TC, you know, you and I go back way in the days of Tony the Tiger Lopez. You, you know, got so that right. It's, uh, it's good to just do barbershop talk with guys and yep. hang out. Yep, there we go. All right, man. So uh, we talked a little bit about the movies. For people that don't know, we've had Stitch on before. Love talking movies with him. He's been in Rocky Balboa. He's in Creed, Creed 2, Play It to the Bone, Here Comes the Boom, Ocean's Eleven, Undisputed, RX. <laughs> what else did I, did I, did I get them all? Yeah, pretty much all. You know, oh, it's funny you say that. I, I just left the weigh-ins for Tomorrow's Fight right. with Shakir Stevenson and, and Lee Samuels, one of the uh, old guys for yeah. Top rank says, you know, I, he goes, I just heard an interview uh, with you uh, 
uh, talking about the Rocky movies. Was it with TC? <laughs> I said it probably was, and I'm on my way to go talk to him again. Is you that know? right? So yeah, so so he said that ah, great interview. Oh, yeah, okay, so. yeah, yeah. He Lee did uh, yeah. uh, say that to me afterwards, and Lee listens all the time. And yeah. again, he's he's you know we had Bob on yesterday, and I go back to 1992 when I. Uh, first came here, and Lee was a, an avid listener of the show, and said, "Hey, we got to get you to the fights." And I go, "Oh, okay. I, I love boxing. That's great." And uh, they had they had a fight at the Hacienda. Remember, they used to do a lot of the club cards, you know, back in the day. Yes. And he uh, and he and he put me right there in the very very front. And the very first time, I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna cool, you know, getting all dressed up and everything." Yeah, I left. I had blood all over me. <laughs> he put me he put me too close, Lee. And then, uh, of course, introduced to Bob at that point in time. And then the, the rest was history. So just, you know, again, love love the sweet science, love the sport. Uh, top rank, no one does it better, in my opinion. And uh, it's uh, you know now they've got three great cards coming up here in the next three weekends, and we've got tickets. So hang tight, we're going to give away some tickets as well too on today's show. So uh, stay tuned for that. But Stitch Duran, who has been in the corner of uh, many of these uh, world championship fights and the movies like we talked about. So uh, yeah, man. And Frank's right, you revolutionized it. You did. I mean, you you know when when Hollywood wants to make a boxing movie. I mean, you're one of the first guys they call. I mean, you and my man Kenny Bayless, you guys are getting a lot of love now. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ken, it's it's nice, and you know, I what happened with Creed too is I was and in Joe York. Cortez before yeah, that. Yeah, Got to yeah, say that yeah, too. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Joe Cortez brought me on to Balboa, mm-hmm. and uh, when I was in New York doing a show at the Garden, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Creed two people were there, Steve Capo and mm-hmm. and uh, Kevin King, the producer, and they asked me if I had any contacts with. Uh, Kenny Bayless and Robert Bird. I said yes, of course. So we got them in the movie, you know. And uh, but yeah, you know, we're all it's a small world, and you know they want authenticity, and and um, it's nice to be part of that group. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, so uh, you just got back from Miami, right? I did. Okay, so you were on the card of the Floyd Mayweather Jr. Uh, Logan Paul thing, and uh, we've had a little bit of fun with this, you know, talking about it, you know, with the. Us boxing people, we just don't put much credence into it. But, you know, the YouTubers, they were all excited about it. But you actually were in one of the two legitimate boxing matches that were on that card. You were in Badu Jack's Corner, which you have been uh, for, for many fights. And uh, congratulations to Badu and yourself for, for that victory. What was your take? I mean, we can get into the main event, the whole thing, but just, you know, being part of, of something like this. And again, you're a guy who's been in Hollywood. You've done the movies, so I'm sure that none of this phases you whatsoever. But, but only having just a, a couple of legitimate, you know, fights, being the undercard for that circus. What was that like? Well, this is like my fourth one. You know, and that's, that's true. The good that's thing true. about it. I did KSI when he fought Logan Paul. Uh, worked with Anson Gibb from the UK when he fought Jake Paul, and I was on the Tyson Roy Jones. Uh, show and then of course this one here, uh, but yeah you're right you know uh, Badu Jack uh, unfortunately he was going to fight Jean Pascal, but he tested like four different substances of steroids and and scratched that one out and he, he did you know, the whole cocktail yeah the whole thing yeah <laughs> literally yeah yeah he had a hangover once all that was done and but uh, yeah the the whole event was was uh, was different of course I mean I've been through them before but you know I'm in the audience I'm way in the back of the arena and. Uh, I'm just looking at the audience, how they're reacting to the Floyd and Logan Paul fight. And I think they were, a lot of them were disappointed in the outcome. And I think I kind of expected that because mm-hmm. I've, I've seen it before. 
So can either one of the Paul brothers actually fight? Because Jake has won his fight. He's had a couple of knockouts. Logan now actually talking about maybe getting an MMA, too. It's like you're 0-2 in boxing, although the last one was an exhibition. I mean, maybe you should learn how to box or something. But how serious do these guys take it? And do you see actually any actual talent in either one of those brothers? Yeah, talent, yeah, no doubt about it. You know, they, they're they both wrestlers. They were both high school wrestlers. And, you know, when I had my school of kickboxing, guys that were wrestlers that would turn into kickboxers be- became good kickboxers because they've gone through the gambit. And, uh, you know, uh, Jake Paul is trained by BJ Flores and, and, and a good group. And uh, I think Logan Paul, you know, they have good teams behind them that are taking them. There is good enough for what they're doing right now to maximize uh, their exposure. Uh, but, yeah, you know, they can fight. You know, no no doubt about it. They're not, uh, you know, they're not... Uh, you know, the guys that just come in, like Ben Askren, just didn't do a good showing. These guys. I never saw a guy happier after getting knocked out. He was like, the check's going to clear. 500,000, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, but but they are bringing up the point and, uh, of, of MMA guys not getting paid fairly, mm. you know. And uh, so there's a can of worms that's being opened up. And, yeah, I got I to gotta respect these guys for going out and doing that. KSI, I worked with him for six weeks. And, you know, he went from, a, I think, a rapper, whatever he does, to being a fighter. And uh, he made that transition through hard work. So they do work hard, no doubt about it. So what do you think about this, Stitch? We're seeing more and more, and it's just not the MMA guys that you know want to get into boxing or the YouTubers. Now we're seeing, like I said, Chad Ochocinco, okay, the former football player. You know he was in, involved in this thing. We're seeing other guys. We saw Nate Robinson, the former basketball player. Everyone thinks that they they can be a boxer. Uh, and again, you get to see it up close and personal. You know, again, Tyson Fury's corner, so many world champions' corners. Uh, what's your advice to these guys? You know, it's funny you say that. Ocho Cinco was in the dressing room next to us, and uh, after his fight, it's hey, look, I went in the dressing room. Hey, man, congratulations and welcome to our world. He says, I don't want to be in your world. He goes, this is the hardest thing I've ever gone through. You know, but I told him, I said, well, you know, out of respect, at the end of the day, what you did just kind of really put you in a different category. Because anybody that has the courage to go into a ring and get punched uh, and, you know, and do it, you got to give them that respect. So I said, so, you know, in life, you'll always be a gladiator at one point, whether it's a win or lose situation. Just to go into our circle and do what we do uh, took a lot of guts. So what was his attitude like, and what was he like? Oh, a super nice guy. Yeah, you know, I think he was happy to have done what he did and, and the accomplishments that, that went with that and the exposure. And, and, you know, these programs are all about exposure. You know that, and I know that, and it's economics, and, and it's working. You know, the first one I did uh, with the zone with KSI and Logan Paul, I didn't really understand the concept, but they work on a subscription basis. And why not get these millions and millions and millions of young followers that uh, Logan Paul and Jake uh, KSI had? Mm-hmm. I knew it was a different world when I walk into the arena. You know, you go in the dressing room, we'll put our stuff away, and then the team will walk out to the, the corner and we'll decide, I'm going to work on the right side, you work on the left side, you work mm-hmm. the middle. People knew who Vidal Riley, the coach was, and Leon, the audience didn't know who I was. You know, so I knew it was a different world. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to fighters like that and these guys that have never boxed before, do they have any clue what you're even doing when you're taping their hands and stuff like that? Is it, or do they even know why it is? Or it's like, why you do it a certain way or whatever? Well, that's why you guys are the best, man. You have good questions. you know. <laughs> and, and, and I'll answer that to you is, is for the most part, uh, KSI knew who I was. He's a little bit more athletic than Anson Gibb. Anson Gibb, I'm wrapping his hands. He didn't even know who I was. So it kind of lets me know that he's in a world that's, 
you know. He's in the yeah. He's not in, our, he's he's not in your world, man. Yeah, he's exactly. gonna be baptized. Exactly. You know? There you go. And uh, but yeah, you know. But as I wrap their hands, uh, ballpark Frank, uh, like I do fighters, is is I calm them down. I understand. But with these young guys, I try to give them my advice as to how you could better yourself. And and I did that with Michael B. Jordan. You know, listen, right. You know, uh, here's what you got to do. It takes the heart of a warrior. Just the confidence builders and kind of define what we do. And uh, so you're giving uh, them a pep talk while yeah, you're wrapping their hands. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's, putting on the foil. Putting on the foil. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that. Putting on the foil. Can I steal that tagline? <laughs> it, 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 it's yours. Write it down. There yeah, you go. Uh, stealing the foil. I like this. So last thing before we close out this Paul conversation. Which one of these brothers is is the better fighter, or is either one worth a darn? I, I think Jake Paul, you know, he's been doing it a lot longer and more yeah. consistent. But I think the young he's got guy, a heavy punch. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, mm-hmm. and he can fight. You know, he's he, he's I say he's a wrestler turned fighter. All right, Jacob Stitch Duran joins us, a cutman extraordinaire, been in this boxing business such a long time, and also uh, on the big screen uh, as well too. You know, we we talk a lot about the the movies. With you, of all those movies you've been in, which one is means the most to you? Maybe the maybe the most proud of. Uh, well, you know the I was talking about it today at the weigh-ins. You know the the Creed series, right? Yeah. Uh, I think it was well in the second one. Number one, working in the first Creed with Michael B. Jordan, you know, actor coming into our world. Like I said, I spent six weeks every day wrapping his hands and, and try to guide him and all that. Up around the fifth week, you know, I said, look, I, at this point, you really demonstrating you're bringing our game up at the highest level and I'm going to knight you as a fighter, right? So we got a good relationship. But on the second one, you know, I'm telling him how proud I am of him and Ryan Coogler and Tessa and, and Stephen Kappel, the directors, on, on how they have really accelerated. And Michael looks at me. I mean, we're as far as, as you are away from me, uh, TC. And mm-hmm. he said, you know, Stitch, we went from being actors to writers, producers, and directors. And he looks at me and says, I'm directing Creed three. And you're with me as long as you want. So answering that question, just being part of the Creed series is, like I was telling the guy in definition, I, like what Mick was to Rocky, I am to the new gen. I'm the new generation stitches to Adonis. That's true. And, and yeah. if I get that third movie in there, then then I, that my whole life will be satisfied, and 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 I'll say I was part of Adonis's uh, legacy. And I would imagine too. That your role could increase a little bit as well, too, because of the familiarity. And again, you know, people know who you are. You have the respect, obviously, of the directors and the producers and the actors, the people you're working for, that I, I would think, you know, over time, we've already seen that for your roles, you know, from just like be, having an appearance like in Ocean's Eleven, for yeah. example, to where getting a line or two and speaking parts and being in more scenes, right? Well, you know, and it's funny you say that because uh, we just finished our Zoom. Uh, been invited to be a consultant producer for MMA movie uh, that they're going to be filming uh, hopefully start in August, but uh, Charlotte and I, my wife and I, will be in Santa Fe, New Mexico for three, four months uh, being a consultant, and I'm sure I'll be having some yes. some lines in there, but right. for them to bring me in for the authenticity uh, says what you're saying, you mm-hmm. know, and the same thing with uh, when I did the Creed movies and the others is, is I want to make sure that if you're going to do it, let's do it right. All right, speaking of doing it right, I mean... Us in the, our business or in, in sports, we're very critical of sports movies in general. We have our favorites, and we are very, very critical of you know not getting certain information right. I'm going to ask you, best boxing movie 
that you think really nailed it the best as far as authenticity, whether it's story, acting, but just the boxing scenes themselves uh, of I all think, time? What do you think? I, I think Creed did a great job. Yeah. You know, I uh, and, and the first one definitely did a, a tremendous job. Tony Bellow and, and Michael B. Jordan, uh, even uh, uh, so in, in that aspect, the fight scenes were designed really, really good. Mm-hmm. And it's funny you say that because the movie with uh, Forrest Whitaker, uh, he was a he was a coach. But I sent the people, the MMA people, the fault, the differences of not knowing what you're doing. But the guy has Jake, whatever's Gulenberg, whatever his name was, the actor. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes, get yeah, that yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. So he has a cut here. Right. Of course, Whitaker is right. putting the swab up above his cut. You know, and and well, and he didn't want to infect it. And, and that's on TV though. <laughs> right. You know? right? So I, I took a picture of that and I sent it. I said, look, that won't happen here. Perfect. You know. See, so that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's exactly. An example. Yeah. All right. When we go back to you know, you go back to the Jake LaMotta movies, and you go back to that, you know, some of the older movies. Then, of course, 1976, you go to, to Rocky yep. as well, too. And you now you look back at some of those scenes, and you kind of say, wow. I mean, you know, and we know this 40-plus years ago, but, uh, you know, probably a lot of it has to do with what you're talking about, just the evolution over time on how they've, you know, they've gotten better, you know, with, yeah. with me scripting things and acting, that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, I think, I don't know about for you, but if you go back and look at maybe some of the old Rocky movies or even some of these other ones, you're going like, man, that's, th- those scenes really weren't that good. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now that I, I understand the game. But like Rocky I, Balboa, which you were in, yes, one of yes. the later ones, much better boxing scenes, right? That was very, very good. And, you know, there, there's a scene where Antonio Tarver, Mason the Lion Dixon, yeah. punches Balboa mm-hmm. and he hurts his hand. I remember that he's like yeah. this. Yeah. So one of the lines that I used, I didn't have lines in the script, but I can right. try to steal one in there, right? <laughs> and Mike Tyson, I had asked Mike Tyson, I said, every fighter has that one little thing that nobody has. What's that one little thing? He says, take the pain. So I thought that was a great line. So when he sat down, he said, oh, I hurt my hand. I said, well, take the pain. Take the pain. <laughs> well, when I see the movie, they ad-libbed it. Somebody else said it. You know? Is that right? I guess the coach said it. You know, oh. they, they took my line of take the pain. Take they the stole pain. from you, they man. Okay. Yeah, they did. We, we, your royalty. We, 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 got, we got to get a lawyer on this yeah, right yeah, now. Exactly. Charlie, get the, get the lawyer on this. What's going on? That's no good. Yeah, so a little behind the scenes. I look and say, hey, that was my line. Yeah. Great so. stuff. Great stuff, man. With with all the colorful characters you've known in boxing and MMA, just in the fight business in general, you've seen a lot of movies in that. Who do you think they should make a movie about? Like, if you could pick somebody in, in any of the fight games or maybe one or two guys or something, but you're like, you know, there's a story that would be intriguing to people. Wow. You know, uh... Roberto Duran, I think it would be a good story behind the scenes of how he came up and, you know, his lifestyle growing up and, and going in and starting out for, what, 135 and then working himself up. Uh, I think that himself is a good Diego Diego Corrales, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you and I both knew him when he was yeah. young and just a career of what he did growing up. I remember mm-hmm. when we had our school of kickboxing in Fairfield, you know, Diego was 15, 16 years mm-hmm. old and he would come and spar and beat beat my pros you know mm-hmm. so that's a good story but that's a good question and i'm sure there's a you know the thing with that's great with working with all these fighters behind the scenes is they all have tremendous stories that that really is what makes my job more exciting it's not so much though i tell the guys i've done so many world title fights that it's not about that anymore it's about mm-hmm. the characters of the fighters but to get into their heart and souls uh we all have stories mm-hmm. you know they all have stories and and uh, you just it's hard to pinpoint one Tyson Fury is one of those characters, one of those guys, and you were in his corner last time he fought here against uh, Deontay Wilder, and this this match is going to take place. Uh, 
Got the announcement coming, official announcement on Tuesday. Press conference is happening. So it is July 24th at T-Mobile Arena. Are you going to be in Tyson Fury's corner when we uh, on July 24th? Well, that's the plan. You know, well, I've, I've been seeing him in the gym and all that. And, and uh, you know, we're talking about Tyson Fury today, and you're right. He's one of the characters, just yeah. real, real nice guy, super nice guy, and a great story. But I was telling him, as, as, as nice as he is, I was just telling guys at the weigh-in, I have a video with this guy, Anis Nasir, from India, communicates with me. I don't know him or anything like that, but he says, can you have Tyson Fury say something for me? So I asked him, and he sent a nice well wishes. This Tyson Fury world champion, and he want to wish you the best and and all that. And and I said just the other day, I said, look, it, it means a lot it, it, it means everything to this young man. Might not mean anything to anybody else, but this moment right there that you spent time and saying hi to him, it's going to probably stay with him for the rest of his life. So little mm-hmm. things like that is what he does. All right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, not to embarrass you whatsoever. I don't think I can embarrass you. But anyway, uh, you know, when Tyson Fury, you know, uh, ha- has been cut or he gave you a lot of credit too yeah. and he and he, he said hey i i need to have stitch i mean you have you've taken care of his face yeah. uh you know we've seen that before you know like wow you know what happened here but uh you're one of the best and uh it's great to see you guys together and tyson is is a fun guy like i said he's just you know bob likes to compare him to muhammad ali and i know where bob's going with that not really the success but just the charisma and the personality and we really haven't had a heavyweight like that yeah. in our time, even though he's not an American, but he, he comes across like not only an American, but he comes across like a Las Vegan. Yeah. And Bob was talking about this yesterday, saying that I really think that the Las Vegans are really taken to this guy and he's building the house here. He's training more and more here right now. But I think it's, it is that charisma and that fun that he likes to have. And he's personable. I mean, he's a guy that he won't shy away from you. I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll take pictures and stuff with you. Yeah. And this guy's a, the, the heavyweight champ of the world. And he is. That's that's him 150 yeah. percent. You know, he just real giving to himself and 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 you know. Let me add it. And I was mentioning that again today. We always talk about him, but every round that he works, whether he's shadow boxing or jumping rope, or he you know he could be talking to you and I as he's jumping rope or shadow boxing, but he works for every second of that three minutes. You know, so a lot of guys we we laughed. Uh, a lot of guys will be shadow boxing. They'll stop and they'll talk to you, and that's the way of taking breaks, right? And and uh, jumping rope and stopping. And but no, he'll work right through it. So you know that to me, that's a discipline factor. And uh, I think uh, in the description that Bob's trying to say, like Muhammad Ali, style-wise, Bruce Lee said it best: is this he flows like water. Not that he's talking about Tyson Fury, mm-hmm. but the technique is he right. flows like water, and and that's the way he is. He's so relaxed. Right. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think is going to happen in in this fight? Is it, I mean, is it going to be instant replay of what we I saw? I don't know. You know, it's, uh, I hate being an armchair quarterback because that's how I am. I know. You know, but the probability of cuts, it's, it's always there. You know, and uh, you can never, you know, uh, not question the power of Wilder. Yeah. You know, I know that I think Malik Scott is working with him and all that. But I personally, I think Tyson Fury, style-wise, has his number. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you a question for a while now because we started out talking about the Paul brothers, guys guys that aren't actual fighters but trying to be fighters now. You worked exclusively with the Klitschko brothers for yes. years and years. We knew that they weren't going to get in the ring and fight each other. Which one of them was better? Or is that just too hard of a question to really answer? Uh, no, it's not. It's uh, I think technique-wise, I think Vladimir, you know, working with Emmanuel Stewart for so many years was westernized with his techniques. But when it came to the Bulldog, the pit bull, uh, Vitelli hands down. You know, he just he was just rough and tough with his opponents. And the thing I liked about Vitelli 
is that he would go to the body as a heavyweight. He would go to the body, and uh, but just tough, tough yeah. as nails. And even even when I talk to him, I still got to look at him or or talk to him in a certain way because you know, stich, you know, stich, stich, you know. He tells me, <laughs> stich. If you were with me when I fought Lennox Lewis, I would have won the fight. You mm-hmm. know, uh, but super both of them super guys. Super. Yeah, you know, uh, we we see brothers, you know, in this sport, and they're usually very close to the same weight. We see that with the Klitschko's, and there was always talk about these guys fighting each other. Oh, we're never going to fight each other. And now we see the Charlos. Yeah. Uh, are we ever going to see brothers fight each other? I don't think so, man. Yeah. You know, it's it's it, the mental game. It just it's too tough for these guys. Yeah. It, it 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 shouldn't. Even, it's not even fair for them to fight right. in a fight. And uh, I don't think you ever see it. Yeah. Good question, though. Well, no one's going to pay me for it, but I have a brother that I'm more than willing to fight if anybody wants to give me a dollar for it, even. <laughs> hey, I got a buck or two, man. You see? I'm what down. Hey, I'm down. Let's go. I'll, I'll work the corner for no charge, bro. Come on. Whoa, look at that. I just want to see Frank fight. Yeah. <laughs> Who's your brother going to get? I mean, you got you got legendary Stitch Duran in your corner. I don't corner. care who he gets, but he's yeah. going to be the one bleeding. I mean, I'll guarantee you I, that. We can't even put a line on this. I mean, you'd be such a heavy favorite, I, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't care if I broke my neck or not. He will go down, and it'll be a hard two. Uh-oh. Down go Frazier. All right, man. Tomorrow night, uh, Shakur Stevenson. Yes. Fifteen and zero. Only like eight night, eight knockouts though. But again, he's you know he's one of those guys, and I know that that top rank likes Bob likes him a lot. Uh, you can say that you know eventually he could be a pound for pound guy. What do you expect to see from Shakur Stevenson t- tomorrow night? Because he's facing the guy that has is coming in with ten straight knockouts. Right. Exactly. And uh, tough fight. You know, it's a tough fight, but it's it's a. Uh, it's a telling fight on whether he's going to go right, left, or straight, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, a victory will will just help him. Uh, the guy's not a big, big name, uh, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, you know, Shakir's staying busy. I think this is his five or six, fifth or sixth fight while we've been in the bubble. And mm-hmm. we started the bubble with top rank June the 12th of last year. So we're coming up to one-year anniversary. So mm-hmm. for him to be active, uh, I think he has that advantage over this other young kid from Nambia. All right. How's the new venue over there? The new venue that's the old venue that used to be the joint or whatever? Because I'll tell you what, I miss the days of the original joint when there was a staircase going down to the cage. You were standing on the one side. I was over there. I remember one time there was somebody sitting in my seat, and you were like, hey, this is Ballpark Frank spot or whatever, some media guy from out of town or whatever. We were always in the same place, but we were always at the fights and that together. And and I was like, hey, thanks a lot, Stitch. No, 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 that's your spot. That's your spot. You earned it. Yeah, you know what? And it's funny to have gone back over there. Uh, everything was the same, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, they're walking down from the top, the bar area down to, and then taking the elevators up to the, uh, yeah, everything was the same, up to the dressing rooms and all that. So it's good to be back in action. Uh, you know, things are kind of settling down with this pandemic and people, uh, you know, it's getting a lot freer. So it's good to be back. Which fight are you looking forward to the most coming up here this summer? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. How about Pacquiao Spence? That's fine. Yeah I, yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah you know, it's funny because I, I do so many. I just kind of wait yeah. for something yeah, to happen. You, got you know, it. Like, yeah. like the fights right. here, you know, I'm working, I think, every fight. But they ask me who's who's fighting. I said, man, I don't know who's fighting. You know, I just show yeah. up. You know, to me, I had wrapping the hands a ha- yeah. hand and yeah. we're going to cut to cut. You yeah. know, you and just look at your list and see who that's you got up yeah, next. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's true. You need, do you need your hands wrapped or do you have enough gauze and tape? And mm. let's talk when we're in the dressing room and we'll work a strategy. How uh-huh, I'm going to work your corner. And, you know, we go through all these details. So that means you have, to, you have to have a, quite a wardrobe there, you know, with with the ring robes. I mean, you got to have a whole bunch of different ones every bout, man, right? Well, pretty much, you know, <laughs> top rank made us uh, uh, our. My, you got the standard one, right? Yeah, well, yeah, well, we got the ones that have blue 
and then yeah. some they have red, and I've yeah. thought about, it. hell, that's the red corner and blue corner, right? And uh, so yeah, we have we have team outfits. At least you now. know where to go, where to walk. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, so <laughs> we look know, down. Oh, blue. Oh, I'm going yeah, blue yeah, corner. Oh, yeah, what, yeah. what fight do I have next? Yeah. But it's funny because I'll go from one one corner to the other depending on who I'm working with. All right, who are you working with tomorrow night? Uh, In Shakur's corner. Yeah, you you have okay. always been working of course, with Shakur yeah. since. since and, for a long time. I remember, and, yeah. yeah. yeah so. Well, it's probably good that you're in red and blue like that, too, because if the guy that you're working in his corner, if he walks to the wrong one, then you know that he probably needs a little more work. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. <laughs> but it's funny, man, because like, like the, the, the camera guys and the timekeepers yeah. and uh, even even the, the doctors and uh, me and Mike Basil kind of work against each other all the time. And, and unfortunately, in these games, the bubbles – he has more victories than me, so they mess with me. Hey, man, how many fights? Uh, how many guys you got winning? You know, <laughs> oh well, you lost another one. So they go and they bust me all the time, man. And say, uh, I can't but, go in and throw for him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, come exactly. on, man. Yeah, you know, I'm just working the fights. But when I work with the real guys, right. I, I have a high win percentage. And 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 one fan on Twitter says, you know, Stitch, uh, I was working with Devin Haney. Yeah. You know, the guys that that he works with, it's ninety percent win ratio. Yeah. You know, so well, you know, what, if you're not going to win the claiming races, winning the stakes races pays more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll take it. Hey, you mentioned Devin Haney. We saw him a couple weeks ago. Yes. I mean, we pretty much dominated the fight, but he did get rocked pretty, pretty much, too, at the end of the one round. A lot of people are saying, wait, wait, he, 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 he could be ready to go here. Yeah. But uh, he hung on for, for the victory in a close decision. What was your, What's your thoughts about Haney? And talk about when, when he got buzzed there. Yeah, hey, I like the kid. You know, the first time mm-hmm. I worked with him, his, his dad got a hold of me like a week and a half before the fight. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and I'd seen him in the gym and, you know, and all that. But, yeah, the kid could fight. And, and getting buzzed, yeah, it, it's it's. I guess it's a good thing that he did get buzzed because now he knows how to react. And, you know, the first two steps were a little unstable. Right. But but then, thank God, the bell rang and, you know, he picked himself up. So I, I think everybody needs to get cracked like that once or twice to understand uh, how they respond. All right. We got a, a question from one of our listeners. They said, who would win in a fight, uh, one of the Paul brothers or Stitch? Oh, I'd, I'd kickbox them. <laughs> I can see they don't do kickboxing. I do kickboxing. I'd throw elbows and, and kick them in the legs and the shit. Well, plus you'd have a big advantage because you're wrapping their hands. Just don't wrap them properly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm doing too tight. Right? Well, they can't punch or anything like that. So. Yeah, they hurt themselves every time they throw, throw a punch. They're not yeah. going to throw. But it's funny, you know, that, that, that question is asked because I used to work with my buddy Livingstone Bramble all the time. Yes. I even Cliff Cowser and all that. But, you know, boxers are programmed from the waist on up. And, and of course, kickboxers, you know, we go to the legs all the time. So I'd be looking at him and chop his, his thighs down, you know, and he'd get so mad. Stand, yeah, dig it, dig it, you know, so uh, they're, they're not prepared for low kicks. Hey, real quick, too, I want to get your thoughts on this because I know some of the fighters on this card tomorrow night over at the Virgin, They uh, Bob had told us that they're going to be going to the Olympics after this. What do you think about the Olympic boxing coming up here and pros, not like the big-name pros that have million-dollar fights and that, but you can be a professional now and be in the Olympics. What do you think about that, and what do you think about the Tokyo Olympics in general? Because there's some people that don't even want them to go on. Yeah, I uh, that's, that's a tough question, but... Uh... Yeah, I didn't know that. See, I'm going to show you what I know about the Olympics coming up right now. I didn't know that, you know. Uh, You're pro- not working the corner, so you don't care. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a business, so, man, yeah. Yeah, but I, I didn't know that pros could well, if you have, do it in if basketball. Well, if you only have a couple fights. Yeah, a certain, so, amount, of, so, yeah, yeah, a certain yeah. amount of fights or whatever. So if you only have two or three fights, you can be. You well, can let's go to eliminate that. Just keep amateurs as amateurs. Right. You know, the way right? it used to be. So, yeah. you know, let's not make it no harder than it is. All right. 
Right. Shakur Stevenson, uh, silver medalist, uh, former Olympian, 15-0. He is headlining the card tomorrow night against uh, Jer- Jeremiah Nakatelia, 21-1, 10 straight knockouts. Should be a pretty good main event. Three shows in a row coming here on the next uh, three Saturday nights. Uh, We've we got the Monster next week, and then Lomachenko is, is in a couple weeks after that. So we've got some, some great cards. It's great because we've all been around here for a long time, and we love going to the fights. And to have it back you know, on a regular basis. And these aren't like club shows. I mean, these are world championship, you know, boxing events here. And the venues could be a little bit smaller. We see it at the Chelsea, at the Cosmopolitan. We see, you know, at the the theater now, at the Virgin, formerly the Hard Rock, and, and the Joint. But these are these are great shows. They're ESPN. They're top ranked. And it's just great to have boxing back with fans at full capacity. Yeah, it's nice. You know, I, I did the show in Miami uh, last week, Mayweather and all that. And it was nice just to almost get normal yeah. on what we do uh it's been a long run you know and but i've been blessed you're talking about top rank being a great organization they are mm-hmm. the top promotion right now by far yeah. and for me to have done all these shows with them uh, as their house cut man uh was a blessing you know it, not everybody had that opportunity to work during the pandemic so uh, i've been blessed great all right stitch duran in the house today stitch we appreciate you coming by man uh we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow night uh in your uh, red robe, uh, the, the blue, back and forth, this and that. But uh, we'll be there, and we'll be checking you out, man. You know, it's funny. I'm ironing. Cause I always iron my outfits, right? I recommend everybody to iron them. And uh, so my granddaughter, Ava, and my grandson, uh, Jackson. Okay, which one do you guys wait, want wait, to Wait, wait. Your posse doesn't do that for you? You yeah, do it yeah, yourself? Yeah, yeah. You're actually yeah, ironing oh, yourself? I, I, I iron. Stand up. I iron He's a perfectionist. Yeah, perfection. He wants it done right. I've always ironed their clothes from get-go. Awesome. And now they do their own, and now I do my wife's, right? Yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, Ava's picking the red one, and Jackson's picking the blue one, and, and uh, come fight time, and I do interchange them, but when huh. the fight was on, Jackson saw that I had the blue one on, and he... He felt real stoked. Oh, yeah. You know, Papa wore mine. Yeah. <laughs> the cleanest cut man in the business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's styling and profiling all the time. There yeah, you go, you, man. Yeah, well, you got to represent yourself. Absolutely. You know? yeah. and, uh, and, you know, I take this game serious, mm-hmm. and I got a lot of respect mm-hmm. for it. And, and you know, people look at you, and, and they kind of make adjustments based on how you perform. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm always there to teach and, yeah. and, and always give back and, mm-hmm. and uh, make this game as safe as possible. Well, I know I speak for Frank as well, too. We appreciate your friendship, man. We know each other a long time, yeah. and uh, it, it's great seeing you work. And, and, again, being able to spend time like this is is outstanding. I mean, you got a great family. I love your family. And uh, uh, you're a pro, brother. And I, I just sincerely appreciate you big time. No, thank you. Yeah, next week I'm not going to do the Top Rank show because I'm working the Triller show. Yeah. Uh, but Charlotte and I are going. I tell you, you know, it's we've been through this hard year, and, and she's going to be going with me more often, you know, just go out and see mm-hmm. the world and, and uh, you know, spend time together. So, yeah, you know, this from a negative turn into a positive. Do you have to be more careful when you work the blue corner? Because at least in the red one, the blood would kind of blend in with the rope. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why I wear black all the time. It's just the letters that are red. There you, you know? go. Yeah, yeah. I know how to cover that. <laughs> All right, Stitch. Uh, be good, man. And uh, you still got the clothing line going? I do. Everything? So, yeah. so plug away, man. Let yeah. people know where they can they can reach you, follow you, and, and, and check out your product as well, yeah, too. Yeah, well, you know, One More Round, Mark, Mark uh, Zucker is, is the owner of that. But One More Round, he has a, a great collection of, of apparel. And, and, you know, I always try to represent him as much as possible. But uh, even uh, my Stitch Premium Tape, Athletic Tape, mm-hmm. and the KO Swells are available at Cutman for Hire Supplies. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you know, just plugging away. 
There you go. Doing and don't best. be surprised, man. Just rolling through your TV with your remote control. Well, Stitch is on TV. There it is. Oh, that, he's in that movie. Oh, he's in that one. There it is. <laughs> Have you ever had a young fighter that when you're wrapping his hands or something like that, he looks and he goes, wait a second, I know you. The you're time. the guy from the movie. All the time. When I was getting assignments today, the guys would say, you know, ah, Stitch. You know, yeah. Wait a second. I'm, I'm legit now. Yeah, 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 Stitch yeah, is yeah, wrapping yeah. my hands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it happens all the time. But I want to always give that. You know, I want having that experience, yeah. right? And and whether you're a four rounder or or a championship uh, fight, mm. I'm going to treat you like you are a champion because I think you you deserve that. You know, I'll wrap their head. Mm. There's no shortcuts. Yeah. So and I tell them, I said, look, uh, and I'm only in charge of young guys, but I want you to understand that the importance of having a good team in a good corner. And uh, that's why I do it. Great stuff, my man. All right. Uh, great seeing you again. Thanks Thank for you, uh, for coming by. And we'll look forward to seeing you uh, tomorrow night. Okay. Ballpark Frank. See you tomorrow. There it is. Always All right. great seeing you, my friend. Stitch Duran, corner man extraordinaire, the cut man, the actor. Love having him here. We come back. We'll touch a little NBA playoffs. Two big games tonight. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank, live from Sunset Station.